Hi there and welcome to the Society of Critical Care Medicine's iCritical Care podcast. I'm your host, Dr Todd Fraser. Today I'll be speaking with Christopher Seymour about his article, Delays from First Medical Contact to Antibiotic Administration for Sepsis, published in Critical Care Medicine. Dr Seymour is an Assistant Professor of Critical Care and Emergency Medicine at the University of Pittsburgh School of Medicine in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Welcome, Chris. Thanks for having me. Before we begin, do you have any disclosures that you'd like to share? No. Chris, the delay to antibiotics has been known to affect outcomes in sepsis for some time. Can you tell us a bit more about the background to this? Sure. You know, there has been controversy about how fast to treat patients with sepsis. You know, our, our international clinical practice guidelines recommend rapid recognition and treatment, yet there is some conflicting data about whether each hour matters. And in particular, our group has been focused on identifying sepsis at the earliest moment possible during pre-hospital care. And so part of our scientific inquiry was to try to understand about the delays from first medical contact in the pre-hospital phase, what that meant for delays in antibiotic therapy, and whether that mattered for patients with sepsis. Chris, your group has been studying the impact of a large variety of interventions in sepsis. Is that correct? Well, sure. We were, we're mostly focused on administration of antibiotics, uh, less so about uh, a full bundle of care. And so we were particularly interested among patients identified with sepsis 3 in the first 24 hours, how their timing of antibiotics related to their time that they first presented to medical care uh, during EMS. We found results that uh, have been consistent with other observational studies. So among more than 50,000 encounters transported by our pre-hospital clinicians to a health, uh, health system hospital, of which there were nine, there were approximately 2,700 patients who had community-acquired sepsis. These were patients who had suspected infection at two or more SOFA points within 24 hours of arrival. It was among them that we asked how long did it take for the patient to get to the hospital and for that septic patient to then receive antibiotics once they arrived at the hospital. And on average, in our pre-hospital and healthcare system, it took approximately four hours for patients to receive antibiotics after their first medical contact. We can get into some of more detail, but after multivariable analysis with risk adjustment for a variety of other confounders, we found that there was an increase in the odds of in-hospital mortality for each hour delay in this, what we've termed, medical contact delay, meaning the time from when the paramedic first arrived to the patient. This is a very large registry of patients. How many patients are we talking about in this study, Chris? There were about 58,000 pre-hospital transports that we studied, of whom 2,600 had sepsis identified in the first 24 hours of their hospital stay. Tell us a little bit more about the patients who were involved. On average, the cohort, if we look at some of the demographics, was a relatively low acuity cohort. The overall mortality of these patients was somewhere between 8 and 10%. I think it was about 10%. Um, which is lower than some of cohorts that may include nosocomial septic patients or patients in the ICU. The proportion of patients who ultimately required intensive care uh, was high. It was about 8 out of 10. When we looked at our multivariable model to identify factors independently associated with outcome, independent of the medical contact delay, we did find other features, some of which make complete sense, such as the patient's underlying comorbidity, their systolic blood pressure, um, and what might be thought of as a subjective assessment of illness severity, which is the urgency with which our uh, EMS clinicians were traveling to the hospital. 
Do we have an understanding of what the causes of delay might be? Yeah, that's a very good question. And because we've looking, looked at a system of care, there actually are multiple points in which delays may have occurred. Certainly, the geography of the patient in relation to the hospital to which they were transported could play a role. For patients who may have been uh, in a more semi-urban or rural location, their transport time from the scene to hospital arrival will be longer. But also within hospital and across hospitals, there are delays that may be related to the process of care or the protocols that were in place at that time. So, for example, a smaller hospital uh, further out in the community may have a different sepsis protocol and ability to get antibiotics to patients promptly that may be different from a large urban center uh, that may have a well-oiled protocol. One of the potential confounders here is that the group that had delayed antibiotic therapy may have been a different group of patients. For example, if their sepsis was difficult to detect, this might be because they were more elderly, more frail, and didn't mount the same response as others. How do you account for this in the trial? Sure. So that's a great point, Todd. And one of the things we've always been curious about was whether we were actually measuring uh, an effect of delay in antibiotic therapy and its association with outcome, or in fact, delay in recognition of that patient and then therefore prompt treatment. That part we're unable to sort of disentangle in this cohort, although there have been other now more recent studies that have addressed this. We've looked at patients who all received treatment within that first 24 hours. And so these delays are spread across a broad distribution. Uh, I think it's important to note that one way to answer this would be to look at patients, all of whom were treated in a very narrow window of time, soon after arrival, and then tease out the importance of delays. And I think that's what has been studied in a more recent paper in the New England Journal uh, just last month. When you looked at the data, were there any factors that seemed to be associated with a delay to antibiotic therapy? Ah, that's a, a great question. We didn't ask what factors were associated with delays. This analysis was primarily focused on whether the delay itself was associated with outcome. Um, we might be able to infer in some of the descriptive data that we present up front that there were patient differences uh, based upon those who received antibiotics, perhaps within zero to six hours versus uh, those greater than 12 hours. Uh, but I'll caution that those findings would only be univariate comparisons and not independent of other factors. Clearly, recognising this as an issue gives us the opportunity to step in. Um, what sort of strategies are being employed uh, to address this issue? Uh, well, we've certainly thought about different strategies to reduce delays, both before the patient gets to the hospital and then after they arrive. We'd like all our patients to get treatment consistent with our international clinical practice guidelines, but we know that's not possible. I think the lower hanging fruit here is to address what goes on after the patient arrives to the emergency department, whether there is improved coordination with pharmacy to have antibiotics at the ready, uh, to educate our clinicians more about the signs and symptoms of sepsis. These seem like tangible strategies that we could continue uh, to implement while hospitals are also trying to implement things that are found in the SEP1 bundle, at least in the United States. At the same time, we're, we are seeking to be innovative and thinking about ways to uh, administer antibiotics or reduce the time to antibiotics, perhaps by changing the system of care before hospital arrival. There could be two parts to this. The first might be improving our pre-hospital clinician's ability to recognize sepsis. Now, there is no specific set of criteria 
For example, sepsis 3 did not outline how sepsis should be identified in an ambulance, uh, but they did suggest some clinical prompts that could be used and were, in fact, studied in this paper. If we can best tune our pre-hospital clinicians to the septic patient, then perhaps they can use advanced notification to the hospital to activate the system of care. This would be very similar to what goes on in cardiovascular disease. But then perhaps the most tantalizing idea would be to place the antibiotics in the hands of the pre-hospital clinicians themselves. This has received interest from a variety of groups and uh, EMS agencies around the world and is currently being uh, tested in the Netherlands and prepared to be tested as well in, in Toronto. Do you have a gut feeling about what those studies might eventually show? Well, there's pros and cons. There are certain advantages, right? You would take the delay of four hours and shorten that to potentially four minutes uh, in some patients. Uh, but yet we would be relying on our pre-hospital clinicians to make the right call in the hope that they wouldn't be unnecessarily treating a patient who wasn't, in fact, septic at all. There could be issues with obtaining adequate blood cultures to look for suspected pathogens and how those are handled and processed. Uh, and then issues about uh, the emergency department treatment once a patient has received dose of antibiotics in the ambulance. This is all still uh, new ground we haven't yet encountered and are trying to learn more about how to do this. We'll also note that there's a, a broad community perspective or societal perspective that administration of antibiotics in broad swaths will increase antimicrobial resistance and perhaps have a negative effect in the long term. We think and would propose that strategies to administer pre-hospital antibiotics in sepsis should not be targeted at the low acuity septic patient, but perhaps the one presenting with features of infection who is in shock uh, and has an imperative to receive treatment right away. Chris, we've talked a bit about the reasons that delays might occur, but what's the mechanism at play here that explains the increased mortality in patients that have a delay to antibiotic therapy? So we looked at the, an increase in the odds of mortality uh, in an observational study. And so there is no causal inference that we can take from this, such as you might glean from a randomized clinical trial. However, we do think that slower administration of antibiotics across this interval from time the paramedic arrives to when the dose is delivered is associated with a worse outcome. Um, and as we've discussed, a variety of system factors may be at play. They all bear further study, and that's why we would use this data to support attempts at a randomized clinical trial in this space. Chris, is this a universal problem or do we see a different impact depending on the type of pathology or the type of antibiotic, for instance? Todd, thanks for asking that question. We didn't a priori look at uh, perhaps the type of bacteria or the type of infection as a subgroup or an effect modifier of these associations. But I think that's a very important future direction and something that's been evaluated in subsequent papers. We did investigate those patients who were thought by the clinician most likely to be infected. Uh, and the surrogate we used for that was by focusing on a subgroup that received multiple doses of antibiotics, not just a single dose uh, within that 24-hour period. The association that we found of an increased odds of death with a one-hour delay uh, was consistent in these groups, those that had more organ dysfunction, uh, those that were more abnormal in their pre-hospital physiology, such as blood pressure or altered mentation, and consistent associations even in those who received multiple doses of antibiotics and therefore thought to have a presumed infection. Chris, what are the next steps in investigating this problem? 
I think we've seen some recent data uh, published after uh, this paper in critical care medicine that have addressed larger cohorts, confirming, again, in observational studies that there is likely a relationship uh, between the timing in which antibiotics and treatment is administered in severe sepsis and septic shock and outcome. This would go uh, to further support the many other observational studies uh, used by our international clinical practice guidelines. However, there are those uh, who are seeking a more rigorous uh, evidence base or may doubt that one hour truly matters. Uh, and I think those are important questions, particularly in light of some of the societal concerns about antimicrobial resistance and overtreatment that we've previously mentioned. To our mind, the next step is designing and implementing a randomized trial of free hospital antibiotic therapy and we look forward to working with our funding agencies and collaborators to do that. Chris, congratulations on the publication of your paper, and thanks very much for your time talking to us today. My pleasure. Thanks. This concludes another edition of the iCritical Care podcast. Please check out our website at www.sccm.org slash iCriticalCare for more information. For the iCritical Care podcasts, I'm Dr. Todd Fraser. Join or renew your membership with SCCM the only multi-professional society dedicated exclusively to the advancement of critical care. Speak with a customer service representative or visit www.sccm.org slash membership for more information. Todd Fraser, MD, is an intensive care and retrieval medicine physician from the Sunshine Coast in Queensland, Australia. He is a staff specialist at Nusa Hospital and is the founder of Osler Technology, a clinical certification and training system. The iCritical Care podcast is copyrighted material and all rights are reserved. Statements of fact and opinion expressed in this podcast are those of authors and participants and do not imply an opinion on the part of the Society of Critical Care Medicine or its officers or members. To contact the editorial staff of the iCritical Care podcast with questions, comments, or ideas, please email iCriticalCare at sccm.org or info at sccm.org.